three, two. Hej, det er Martin. Ja, så sender vi fra luftværelset igen, og i dag skal vi snakke om vækst og øh, meget vækst og hurtig vækst og hvad man kan gøre i krisetider. Vi har en øh, international gæst i studiet, så jeg øh, hopper over på korrekt skoleengelsk. Uh, Taylor, uh, welcome to the, to the to the Facebook group and, and welcome to you. Well, much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Taylor, uh, a guy like you, uh, you mentioned uh, Mike Tyson for for boxing. Are you uh, are you Mike Tyson for growth marketing? Mm, oh, that's tough to say. I think Mike Tyson is one of the more eccentric characters in sports, sports history for that matter. Um, I think I maybe share a few elements of that, but um, yeah, the, the metaphor that's really interesting to me is Mike Tyson used to lose his mind before a match. He would get so excited and, um, you know, I think people can probably tell like, i really dig this stuff like i my jam is marketing and we were talking a bit earlier and i wish i had other hobbies like some people work on old cars on the weekends or maybe it's bird watching or crossfit i have no idea like i do this stuff so um so i don't know maybe my obsession with like growth hacking and marketing is kind of uh the same obsession with uh mike tyson had with boxing and yeah trying to kill his opponent in the ring i don't know <laughs> It's a great uh, analogy. Um, Taylor, you are you are American living in, in Denmark. Uh, how's that? What are your journey to to make what you do today in Denmark? Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a wild ride. Um, you know, a lot of people will ask me. I'll do like a ton of these workshops, and I'm just rapid fire machine gunning all kinds of different tools and hacks. And at the end, I'm asking anybody got any questions, and almost always the first question is why are you in Denmark? <laughs> uh, and the answer is quite simple. Like I, I came to visit uh, around this time in 2016. Uh, I stopped by Eastern Sprague with a friend and yeah, I mean, I had never seen anything like that. Uh, beautiful weather, people were super friendly and the core of it was people were asking me, uh, you know, like, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I took my vacation for the entire year, all 10 days to, to kind of see a few places in Europe. And they're like, wait, you only get 10 days. I'm like, well, yeah, that's the vacation for the year, two full weeks. And they're like, well, we get a minimum of 25 days. It's five weeks. And I'm like, no, nobody gets that. And everybody else is like, well, I get six. And I'm like, nobody gets that much time. I didn't know. So like, as soon as I got back home, I started getting real heavy on job search. And uh, yeah, about four months later, I had a job uh, here in Copenhagen. Nice. So you're, you're settled in, in, in Denmark. Yeah, it's uh, again, been a crazy ride, but so far so good. It's yeah, considering what's happening in the US right now, I, I can't imagine being anywhere else in the world. Nice to hear. We're gonna spend the next uh, half an hour about growth and uh, how you can get through the crisis uh, on the other side um, and I will uh, I will uh, give the word to, to you Taylor. Cool. All right. I'm going to share my screen as well and I'll do a little bit of back and forth. There's a lot of razzle dazzle that takes place here. But um, yeah, uh, we were talking earlier and I think it's always one of those things. It's super easy to kind of interact with the crowd. But when it's not there, <laughs> I just kind of go laser in. So. Uh, real quick, a little bit about me. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of Clinton Marketing, Architecture Quote, and Grow Secrets. 
the reason I have so many projects is I work a lot. Uh, I'm doing about six and a half days a week. Uh, and yeah, it's been a wild ride, as I mentioned. Um, total of 13 years of experience within the marketing slash startup world. I've been in Denmark for the last four and a half years, six time startup founder. Uh, actually, yeah, just had my 13 year anniversary. Great luck. Um, but yeah, some of the companies I've worked for here in Denmark, I've basically built and scaled some of the fastest growing startups. Plan Day, head of SEO and optimization, Genie Belts, built the marketing department, Actimo, set up all the automation and value were one best new startup in Denmark, all because they embraced growth hacking. Uh, I've already kind of talked about a lot of these. I think more interestingly, I, I will talk a bit about my, my company. Uh, growth hacking is this new jargon buzzword. Basically, it just means data-driven marketing, and I'll define it a little bit more in the future. Uh, the other project that I've been going crazy on is a passion project. I've been at it for about two and a half years, and it's basically connecting architects with new opportunities and helping them streamline or speed up the process of getting new projects. It's a very old school industry. I'm always looking to talk with investors. Uh, I actually won the Silicon, no, not Silicon Vikings. It was Unicorn Scandinavia or Unicorn Battle Scandinavia out of 209 startups in Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Finland, uh, and a few other places. We took number one. So that was super exciting. That was last week. Uh, little thing, if people are not afraid of uh, getting out into the world, I'm doing a really cool presentation uh, next Tuesday at five o'clock. Uh, and it's basically about building teams for growth. This is how I built up some of the largest and fastest growing marketing teams within Denmark within a super short period of time and showing, uh, showing some hacks on that. So my goal for today is to provide value. I hope that people are able to come away with a few tools, a few processes, or at least some interesting thoughts so that they might be able to take it and immediately use it on whatever their product is. If they're building a company or at least coming up through the ideation process, they got something to work with. And I, it's crazy, like I, I've been in this group for such a long time and I got to use the, uh, yeah, the translation solution, but I see so many eager entrepreneurs that are constantly asking questions. And so I understand that it's definitely a, a full spectrum group here. It's entrepreneurs, it's investors, it's everybody. So happy to kind of connect and, and make sure that I, I give everybody a little bit of value. The way that I often define growth hacking is metaphorically. So let's say your car breaks down, you take it to the shop and there's two mechanics on duty. The first mechanic has read every book over the last five years on fixing cars, but doesn't actually get under the hood themselves. Uh, the other mechanic has dirt underneath their fingernails and uh, they've fixed every component within your automobile. I want the second person to fix my automobile because they've been there, they've done the work. This is where the real big learnings come from. And to really drive the point home, to make sure that it's super clear, growth hacking is doing the most with the least amount of time and money in order to get the biggest results. I never wanna do a one-for-one -one approach. I always reuse everything that I do, but if I'm trying to reach somebody that might buy from me, I think before I actually hit the send button, who else would this be relevant for and try to automate as much as possible in that process. So it's never a one for one approach. It's always a one for 50, one for a thousand, one for 10,000. Uh, and I think there's a lot to be taken from that, especially if we're trying to optimize and do the most with the least amount of time, effort and money, of course. Uh, the way that I look at this is I, I, I get called like the best growth hacker in Denmark and like I cringe every time I say that, 
Uh, but people sometimes ask me, like, how did, you, how did you get to this level? How did you start to understand all these different things? And the easiest way for me to kind of explain it is marketing is all about systems. So if you get really good at one system, you can start to apply it to all the others. So for me, it was getting really great at content. And the more I did content, the more I could start to grasp the concepts of SEO and uh, amplification and some of these other more technical areas. And it's a lot easier to, to kind of work with the other areas because nothing in marketing is on an island. Everything's interconnected. So first, I wanted to kind of set the tone for where I think a lot of people are at mentally in terms of like where the market is, because it's crazy right now. Uh, you're seeing so many industries hit super hard. I did a, a presentation with uh, the folks over at uh, Luggage Hero, and it was specifically on hospitality and travel. And everybody's just, oh, my God, the world's ending and you're seeing a ton of layoffs. And I get it. And it looks pretty bad in terms of even some of the even some of the more prosperous industries because people are kind of in this still hold your breath and see how things are going to pan out. And I get it. Again, like I think it's okay to be a little worried, but the reality is, where have we seen this before? So what do all these companies have in common? The answer is all of these companies started during a recession. They are now global leaders that were small businesses or startups during the point of an economic downturn or a recession. And some of the bigger names that you can see on the far right side, this is the 2008-2009 recession, Groupon, Airbnb, uh, Uber, there's a ton in there. But the concept is this is not the end of the world and this is actually where you should be making your, your biggest moves right now. This is where the opportunities have been uncovered. Think about the tsunami wave basically as a tsunami's coming, the beach kind of gets pulled back a little bit and you have this huge drawback. This is basically where the market is right now. And if you ride that wave, you're in a much better position than most other people that are basically just holding up tight, hoping that nothing's gonna happen. So, uh, I just think if you do some really like deep research on the way that people are searching, even in the hardest hit industries, you'll see that it's already on the recovery. And so people that are freaking out need to stop freaking out and focusing on what's going to get them the biggest wins right away. Uh, really quick, just to focus on like the lessons from 2008, airlines were definitely affected and so were hotels. And they did a couple of really simple things that really helped them out. So we're talking consolidation, unbundling services, uh, purchasing the things that would be valuable in the future and making sure to integrate data. Hotels were no different. So they liquidated the underperforming assets that were in markets that were never going to make it. Uh, they changed some of the marketing and branding. And so you saw basically this order of magnitude change, which basically meant how can I now take advantage of a different marketplace where consumers have different buying decisions? So like Marriott did this rejuvenation thing. So instead of going on two big vacations a year, people went on three kind of micro vacations. So it was all about weekends. I think you could probably find something similar to that in the way, the psyche of your potential customers. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's definitely something that we can apply to all of us. Making decisions based on data is going to be the future. And you're seeing this across so many different industries as far as the companies that are getting infusion of, of money, capital investment, round A, B, C, whatever it is for uh, investment because people understand what happened in 2008. So I know I went really fast on that, but just bear with me. There's a couple of like little key takeaways. 
the areas, this was done over like a three year period. Uh, they basically looked at all the companies that were successful on the outside of a recession after it was all said and done. The things that they did similarly was marketing, R&D, new products. Maintain the same price. Do not drop your price because the economy is kind of a little shaky. Don't do it. Uh, they also improved the customer experience, which I thought was super valuable. And the things that they got rid of was admin stuff that wasn't necessary. Fixed assets, uh, assets meaning rent or some of the frills of working at a place and any extra working capital. This is just a quick case study that I think is relevant for anybody to, to kind of think about marketing or sales. And this is by data to decisions. It's basically the green line represents people that cut their marketing budget uh, slash sales budget entirely. Uh, the red line represents people that split it, uh, basically marked it down by 50%. And the blue-ish line is basically representing anybody that decided to stay the course and keep spending money. And over the span of about five years, you basically see those that cut budgets and stop trying to do more right now lose over the long term. This is how you can go from a number 10 or 11 in a marketplace to number one or two. And if you're not thinking this way, then ultimately you're going to lose. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead in the essence of saving time. Uh, and I want to give some stuff that's more for like the early on folks that are definitely chugging away and, uh, and startups. So the Pareto principle, I think, is thrown out all the time inside of startups and kind of the world of, I don't know, like early stage folks. It's basically the 80-20 rule, meaning 80% of your effort gets 20% of the results. Uh, so 80% of the alcohol is drank by 20% of the population or 80% of your effort goes into those really tough 20% clients. 80% of your sales comes from 20% of the sales force. It's really interesting. So I look at this and think, yeah, that absolutely has been the case with a lot of the projects that I've worked on, especially over the last four years. So when people that I've often worked with or worked for are like, we need more stuff on Facebook and LinkedIn about the company, here's the deal. LinkedIn and Facebook in terms of organic reach on a company page has gone down by like, like almost like three X, like 300%. So when you used to have a reach of like one to 5%, like it was awesome and things were well, like going really well. Now it's like 0 0.003. So basically you don't get any real impressions unless you boost posts. So stop doing it. So like this is a layout of basically all the conversion channels. And if I'm looking at LinkedIn as a conversion channel, I'm saying to myself, well, only 1.4% of my conversions come from that channel, then I should be putting roughly 1.4% of the effort into it. We just need to ask ourselves why we're doing it. So there's a ton of tools that allow us to understand and see what our biggest KPIs, key performance indicators are. And my favorite is Ahrefs. I'll probably end up going to it very briefly in the future, but I think it's valuable. One of the interesting things that often comes out of these kind of slow times is really good content, because in order to kind of fight your way out of the, uh, the general stream of, of just tons of crazy stuff coming at you, you have to have something that stands out and looks great. Uh, so there's this really great Ron Swanson quote that basically says, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. It means do one piece of content really amazing, and I think you'd be surprised with the results. So this is one case study out of dozens. Uh, I'm trying to put out a blog post on Clint marketing about this, but basically this one piece of content propelled these guys into uh, 
uh, a form of virality that basically got them bought out in three years for $1 billion with a B. And it's a cute, kitschy idea. It's a like subscription model for shaves, like shavers, razors, shavers. Um, but yeah, there's so many different examples in here. And I highlight a handful of the ones that I've seen across uh, some of the Danish ecosystem would be like uh, Novo Resume, they're a local player. Uh, when I work at a big like team building uh, games one, this particular blog post basically got them roughly 3 million unique visitors over the span of uh, roughly two years, which is more than I'll ever have with all of the startups I've worked on combined. If you see how I'm scrolling here, it's, it's just to show you this is a really long form article. And guess what? Long form wins, which is counter to what everybody hears in their journalist class or from people that claim that they know what they're talking about. It's just what is. And the reason for that is it's basically Google wants to show meaningful engagement. And so what you see here is basically a couple of charts that are showing really simply that the number of shares goes up basically uh, as, as it's related to the amount of words. So 3,000 to 10,000 words, you get a lot more shares on social media. And in order to rank number one to kind of telling that there's a lot more engagement. And I've definitely seen that with the articles that I've pumped out uh, and often have carried the entire organization, meaning these articles are basically driving more than 40% of the traffic. It's because they're long form. It's because they're detailed. And not everybody wants to consume, uh, yeah, something that barely gives enough information in 700 words. Like it's not a tweet, it's a long form article. And the reason for that is long-term wins. We don't search the way that we used to. If I'm shopping for a pair of jeans, I don't just type in jeans into Google, it's jeans. Then I put in my size, my favorite brand, the color, uh, you know, and maybe near me. That's like a, like a 10 word search phrase that obviously is very long tail. And to rank for that is to me a bigger buying indicator. The other thing that I'll talk about really quickly when it comes to content that I think is super relevant is people aren't really looking at the intent. Intent is everything. What is somebody's reason for writing an article other than the boss said so? And, and that's like, it shouldn't be that hard of a question, but it, for whatever reason, like strikes people sometimes. So uh, this is taken directly from Brian Dean of Backlinko, but he breaks search as, as like users that are looking for stuff online into four categories. Informational. So informational is basically like, you want to find an answer to something like, what is the capital of Denmark? And that would be an informational search. Navigational is trying to navigate onto different pages. So the contact page for, I don't know, like LinkedIn or uh, something in the way of like uh, Twitter, <laughs> you know? Um, but the last two are where the money's at. So commercial. Commercial is like, why would somebody search for a product? If I'm selling teeth whitening solutions, which by the way, I've done in the past and uh, yeah, totally like left field story. I'll tell a different day, but somebody's looking up teeth whitening solutions. It doesn't mean they're just bored and they're doing nothing with their time. It means they might be interested in buying. They want to shop around and see what's out there. If somebody does something that's more of a transactional search, maybe it would be teeth whitening solutions pricing. Holy smokes. That's where I want to be because they're basically waiting with their credit card out. Like who's going to get my money? So if we think about that in the way that we create our content, all of a sudden the whole paradigm is shifted and we're focused on what the users actually are shopping for or what they want to know before they see it. Last little thing that I'll include in this that uh, drives me nuts 
is like you have to remember that the people visiting your site are, are people. They want to be entertained. They want to see something in the way of value. So at my last company, uh, Valuer, I, I was I remember talking with uh, my CEO and he's like, do you really think it's appropriate to have Elon Musk smoking a blunt uh, inside of an article about corporate innovation? And uh, pardon my French, uh, my answer was, fuck yeah, of course I do because they're people. I want them to be entertained. I want them to find something relevant within that meme and be like, oh, that is like a really kind of metaphorical way of showing an example of something. So break these things up, make it interesting, show gifts, show memes, show you know, infographics, make the information so visually compelling that these people will feel guilty for clicking that X at the very top of that blog post. And by the way, that's really hard to do. But if you're passionate about your product, your service, or whatever it is that you're selling, I think it gets a lot easier. So let me show a couple of fast wins that I think are going to be super helpful for just anybody out there. Anybody can take these and use them right away. So first, I would say you need to build up your personal LinkedIn network. In terms of penetrating the market, getting more impressions overall on a personal brand basis, meaning your personal LinkedIn page, I think that's probably one of the bigger assets uh, available to you. The other one is groups on Facebook, which Martin knows all about, uh, but I, I would say you need to continue to build this up. So what I do is every three to six months, I'll go through my personal email and my work emails and do a batch connect. And that's basically where you hit my network, more options, select your email provider, select all, skip invite by email and hit connect. That'll build you up a good 300 to 500 if you're regularly sending out emails on a daily basis. 300 to 500 new connections every three to six months. It's super valuable. Everybody needs to do that. And by the way, that continues to bolster your reach and continues to help you out. This is something that's super important for the early stage sites. I can't tell you how many companies that I talk to, especially in the startup scene, that have zero backlinks. Google is looking for what I call indicators that you have something in the way of authority. So if nobody points to you anywhere else online, there's zero chance you're gonna really rank for anything. And that's so upsetting because you're putting time, effort, and energy into developing a nice website that has good user experience, that loads fast, but you're not getting any keywords. You're not able to grab people from where they're searching. The reason for that is you're not validated in the eyes of Google. So that means where can we go to actually get listed on places? I call it watering holes. The idea of a watering hole is like in the Savannah, everybody's gotta go get a drink eventually. So where do people go that potentially would buy your product or service that aren't actually in the process of shopping for whatever it is that you're selling, where do they go on a regular basis? And there's a million different ways to do this, but I often will go into listings or directories that are related to whatever it is that uh, is my niche or something that's high authority. There are so many great uh, listing sites for this. And where do we find those? do a search on the old Google, do follow backlinks, uh, free list, there we go. <clears throat> Get fresh, 99 plus, do follow backlink sites. So basically you just need to build profiles. 186, top 100, do follow websites. Obviously I don't want you to register your website on something that looks like it was built in the 90s, that's a waste of time but ultimately you do need to build up some of these backlinks in order to get something in the way of progress and growth. It's super important. I can't really, like, I can't hit that enough. Um, I'm gonna skip a few of these, but just really briefly, if you ever wanna mess around with understanding some keywords, 
this is a great little tool, Keyword Shitter, to just kind of get the mind working. But my favorite tool is probably the Keyword tool here. It's an uh, extension for Chrome, uh, and it allows you to see a ton of information. Let me show you what that looks like on here. So I get to see, based off of the keyword, do follow backlinks free list. I get to see 35 roughly like in traffic. That's not a lot. Um, but this particular article ranks for 68 keywords. And oh yeah, by the way, these are all the similar keywords down on the right side. So if I'm writing an article and I want to outrank these guys, I need to make sure that I'm peppering in this stuff. So really simple stuff, really easy. Uh, I think it's, it's quite simple. I'm going to move on to one thing that I think a lot of people miss out on that I, I, I like to highlight. Um, sometimes our best content is, is definitely digested and looked at. Um, but unfortunately, we have no way of capturing the people that got the most value out of it. So here's an idea. Every blog post that ranks or does really well in terms of engagement, like people are clicking on it, you can see this in analytics, uh, I make sure to create a downloadable ebook. It's the exact same article, it's just put into a magazine style template. You'd be shocked how many people actually download this stuff. I don't get it because <laughs> it's like, you could just come back, like bookmark the page if you want to, but no, they want to download it. And in order for you to get that download, guess what? You have to put in your first and last name or just your first name and your email address. Now I have you in my marketing funnel and I'm going to continue to pepper you with stuff over the span of a few weeks, a few months, a little while. Let me show you, and I know I'm bouncing around, but I think it's super valuable and it's stuff that I've shown uh, some of the clients that I've had over the last like couple of years, uh, it's this. So people don't understand the value of like a really great funnel. So this is uh, a really simplistic perspective of nine SaaS companies that had trials, which is a different style of funnel, but go with me. So basically everybody had a free trial. You can see some of the free trials on here end after like seven days, 10 days. But what these little dots on, on here are, they represent actual buyers that once the trial was over, they converted and they turned into paying customers. And so you can see that most people actually buy after their trial is over. So a lot of seven day free trials, people started buying around like day 10, 12. Then you have these 30 day trials. Some people bought before, but a lot after. And I have no idea what the story was on this. I'm, I'm pretty sure they just reported false data. Here's where it gets a little crazy. So regardless of the model, 80% of SaaS customers convert by an average of 40 days. So what does that mean in the long run? It means you're leaving money on the table for all these other people that are converting 35, 40, 50, 170 days. For anybody in here that's ever done sales, you'll remember that customer that reached out to you three months later, sometimes six months later, it's like, hey, I'm ready to buy. It's like, dude, I haven't heard from you in six months. What are you talking about? It's like, oh, I wasn't ready. I'm ready now. But the reality is like, that's a thing. And if we're not harnessing that by continuing to tap them every so often and remind them like, hey, I exist and I have the solution to all your problems. It's my product or it's my service. I think if you do that on a regular basis and this happens via email automation, I'm not saying try to do this manually, uh, you have something. And, it, and it's incredibly interesting to watch these things play out in real time. Uh, let me jump through a couple of other like really fun things. And I know that uh, I'm coming up on that half an hour mark. So let me just find like the last couple of things that I deem to be two somewhat minutes, relevant. Two minutes. two minutes. Okay, cool. 
All right, so exit pop-ups are a thing. I think it's super relevant. Convertful is my favorite. Uh, HubSpot is wildly overpriced, but it does it too. Um, these are really nice little SEO tools that anybody can plug in their website URL. They're free and get a quick report and you can find out all kinds of crazy things that are wrong with your website. If you heard nothing today, just grab one of these tools, put it on your website and see what's wrong. Last thing I'll leave with is SEO is really frustrating. It's, it's almost now come down to speed. So if you go to PingDom uh, speed tools or look up Gmetrics, you can plug in your website URL and discover how slow your website is. If your website takes longer than 2.5 seconds to load, you're automatically not hitting the first page on so many opportunities. And if your website is more than three megabytes, consider yourself basically in a, a second class citizen category, which is super frustrating. Um, I don't know if people can tell, but I really dig this stuff. Like it's, it's my jam. I, I've been doing this for years. I'm of course always looking for new clients. I connect with everybody on LinkedIn. Uh, the marketing company that I've created is all about growth hacking and a five phase approach. Uh, I'm looking to connect with startups that have a little bit of a budget to actually make this stuff work. I'm also looking for anybody plugged into innovation. I'd love to connect. Uh, and the last thing is connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I connect with everybody. I put out all this stuff and more. And I don't know, let me know if this was valuable or uh, you think I'm full of shit. Like it, it's all helpful to me. So <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, it was uh, a lot of a lot of knowledge uh, in, in just about 20, 25 minutes. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> Hi again. So um, I have an, um, a question for you, Taylor. Do you want sure. to work with, with, with our group uh, to give me some, some hacks? Because Always. if you do it to me, I can, I can make it to the 80,000 people. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, I, I believe in giving back and doing what, what really gets people into this space. If people don't have a group like yours to go to to ask questions, what oftentimes happens is that question just chips away at them and eventually they stop meaning they stop doing the entrepreneur journey and to save somebody three days of frustration, which might ultimately lead to, I don't care anymore. I'm over it. I'm done with my startup. Like it's so valuable to have a community. And, and I like doing that stuff too, like in terms of bringing value to others, even though I'm not necessarily in that early stage environment anymore. So yeah, I'm all about it and I'm happy to, to help out wherever I can. Thank you. That was the 30 minutes, Taylor. Thank you for the time. Of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, alle jer, der kiggede med, jeg håber, der var nogle rigtig gode uh, råd i vejledningen her. Der var rigtig meget på, på rigtig kort tid, men uh, gå ind og tjek det op igen. Det kommer som podcast på Spotify og iTunes også. Hej hej.